I get a lot of stories, I think is, is the coolest part. So in exchange for me providing this service to them, I get to hear about their life and how they got there and why they're here at, you know, whatever clinic I'm at. And it just, it means a lot to hear those stories because they're very personal and people come from all walks of life and end up at a, at a low cost clinic. And it's just amazing to hear those stories. That's my favorite part, but I get the hugs and the tears and the thank yous and everything as well. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, we welcome Dr. Laura Plass from Community Veterinary Outreach, and we talk to Jeff Davis, president of My Pet Credentials, about an online tool that will help you keep all of your pet information up to date. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love dog words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded, subscribed, rated, and shared dog words. Now that you're a follower of the podcast, take the next step and become a participant. Let us know what you want to hear. Go to rosiefund.org and send suggestions for topics and guests. We'd especially like to hear from anyone involved with a dog rescue group who's interested in being a guest on the show. And everyone, please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content. Check out the latest video of Rocky, a big, beautiful terrier pit mix looking for his forever home. We're inching closer to our subscriber goal that will give us the Rosie Fund URL on YouTube. If you don't know what that means, trust us that it will greatly help with exposure for Rosie Fund, which ultimately allows us to help more dogs. Just subscribe. It's free, and you will not be inundated with notifications from the channel. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Here's a quick announcement before our first interview with Dr. Plass. I'm so excited that the Wires Underground Concert Series will resume this fall. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like to host a small and socially distant outdoor concert in your backyard or on your porch, please contact them at the Wires Duo, that's T-H-E-W-I-R-E-S-D-U-O, at gmail.com. They've been working on writing new material and would love the opportunity to play for you and your friends. If you don't know who the Wires are, that's the music you're listening to right now. Today on Dog Words, we are delighted to welcome Dr. Laura Plass of Community Veterinary Outreach. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. First of all, tell our listeners, what is Community Veterinary Outreach? It is an organization that actually started out in Canada and it's devoted to serving people who are experiencing homelessness who have pets. So basically what we do is we provide free, what we call One Health Clinics to people who are homeless and their animals. And we provide human services as well as animal services at the same time. So we'll have wellness vaccines for animals. We'll have flea tick and heartworm prevention for animals. We'll offer free bags of dog food and cat food to them. And then we'll also have some component of human health services. So at our past clinics, we've had SCD and SDI testing. We've had a dentist come in and do dental exams. We've had some domestic violence counseling at, at our clinics as well. So it gives an opportunity for people to experience both 
care for themselves and care for their animals as well. What we found is that people actually come to the clinics for their animals and then they end up getting stuff for themselves as well that they wouldn't otherwise seek out. People take better care of their pets than they do themselves. And it's come up several times with other organizations we've talked with on this show. There's a mindset by some that if you can't afford to take care of a pet, you shouldn't have a pet. The truth is, there's a lot of people who wouldn't be alive if they didn't have their pet. What keeps them going is knowing I can't let this pet down. Yeah. And it's a really great example of the human animal bond, especially with people who are homeless, because a lot of times that's all they have is their animal. And that's what keeps them going. It's what makes them survive. And it's something we see at every clinic. It's just, it's just an extraordinary example of, of how people rely on animals and vice versa. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, Regardless of your circumstance, whether you're living in a mansion in a gated community or you're a person who's on the streets with PTS, dogs, we all know, make us better people, better emotional health, better physical health. So it's great that you're providing this for all of their pets. Where are you located? I personally am in Olathe, Kansas, but we are a mobile clinic. So we are just sort of a nebulous location. Um, We do do our clinics at, um, we have done past clinics at Hope Faith Ministries downtown and we have it in their like little garage area. So we have access to the outside. People just kind of come off of the street and come into our clinic. Right now we're looking at some other locations as well, um, but we were in the middle of making all those connections when the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. So we've been kind of stuck. It had an impact on a lot of things. Your clientele probably doesn't find you as much as you find them. Do you get people who have no idea you even existed or do they come looking for you at all? It's been kind of a mixture. We only started doing clinics a year ago. So most people haven't heard of us, but we have had people, we've had one client who's come to every clinic and he's told some friends who have come to the clinics as well. So we've got started getting some like secondary referrals. A lot of people though, will just be walking by and they'll see our clinic like, oh, I got to go grab my dog or my cat and I'll be right back. And they'll come back a couple hours later and we'll see them then. But we've also been in touch with some other organizations in the area that you've probably talked to who are, uh, basically bring clients in as well. How did Community Veterinary Outreach get its start? So it started, uh, like I said earlier, in Canada by a doctor named uh, Dr. Michelle Lem. And she started uh, about 10 years ago or so and just kind of got this idea and wanted to kind of have one health clinics and go into the community. And she had really great success. And I actually heard about her from a mentor of mine uh, when I was in vet school. And uh, I had been talking to my mentor and been like, I really want to get something like this started when I moved to Kansas City. I was in Massachusetts at the time, but I want to get something started when I graduate. And she's like, oh, you got to talk to Dr. Lem. So we finally got in touch in my third year of vet school and uh, started to sort of get this in the works. And as soon as I graduated, I met up with uh, Dr. John Teeter, who was our vice president. And we slowly but surely got everything in the works and finally got incorporated as a nonprofit in November of 2018 and had our first clinic in June of 2019. What might surprise our listeners about what happens with your interactions with clients, what clients you have, and by clients, I mean not just the people, but the pets? I think maybe the most surprising thing, especially given the the homeless population, is that a lot of people, and I know this is a dog podcast, but a lot of people actually have cats. So it's not just dogs that we see. It's like 
I think in Canada, they found out it's about like 40% cats and 60% dogs or something like that. So there's a lot of cats as well that come. I always think that's really surprising because I just, I never imagined cats just living outside and like on the streets, but they do. And how do you keep <laughs> the cool. cat? It's hard enough to keep your cat on your inside. property when you have a house. <laughs> yeah, but no, they have, they're, they're all over the place. It's really neat. That really speaks to the human animal bond that you're on the move and your cat sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's very cool. How is uh, Community Veterinary Outreach responding currently to the pandemic? You mentioned the initiative that you're undertaking that was sort of short-circuited by Shelter at Home. What's happening now? Right now, honestly, not a lot. We've been looking into finding places to donate um, some of the dog food that we have uh, in my basement to different organizations to give out to people. But the places that we like the avenues that we usually go through, like Hope Faith Ministries, they they don't have a lot of people with animals there right now. So they're not a great need for it. So we're just kind of hunkering down mm-hmm. and having infrequent board meetings to discuss sort of the current state of things and where to go from here. So not, not a lot, sadly, <laughs> but we're working on it. Obviously, there are challenges, but uh, what we discovered when we talked to Labe Dodal of Barquet Dog Bar I, I don't know. Was it last week? Was it a year ago? Everything, <laughs> the disintegration <laughs> of, of time. I don't know when this was, but it was during the pandemic. They were talking about, there were several initiatives that they were intending to undertake that they really couldn't put their full attention on. And then the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, had a negative impact on their business. But they also seized on the opportunity we can't serve people in our facility right now, but we can all get together virtually and occasionally in person to figure out, well, how do we implement these things we were going to do that we didn't have time to really talk about? Let's get it figured out now so that when we ramp back up, how do we go full speed ahead? Right. Yeah. And that's another problem. um, And this, I don't think it's an excuse, but it's another problem that we're facing is most of us are in the veterinary field who are on the board and as volunteers and everything. And we are burnt out. I can imagine. So it's hard to ask more of people who are already so burnt out and we're just like trying to, trying to get by. So we're really just sort of taking this time to try and try and um, survive at work and hopefully make it through at the end so that we can be ready to help with CBO stuff. Maybe there's not a lot that our listeners can do to support you right now. And if I'm wrong about that, please correct me. But what can they look forward to doing once we get back to whatever the new normal is? The biggest thing is, I mean, volunteering we can always use more volunteers. We need help with uh, any anything from being a veterinary technician to obviously doctors. But we also need people to help with checking clients in and talking to them and helping them through the clinics and guiding them on where to go, passing out food and all that kind of thing as well. So that's a that's a huge thing. You know, I'm always looking for volunteers. And hopefully, and this was the plan before pandemic happened, we were going to have uh, clinics every month or so. So previously, we'd just been doing infrequent clinics to sort of get our feet wet. And then we had finally nailed down locations to do it every month. So we'll be having a lot of clinics in the future and it'd be great to have people come out and we do them on Saturdays, Saturday mornings for four hours or so. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's, that's the biggest thing. If someone wants more information on what they can do, when they can do it, or just to learn more about community veterinary outreach, where do they go? 
vetoutreach.org slash outreach dash USA slash. So it's the USA specific site of the community veterinary outreach website. I'll have a link to that in the description for this episode. So anyone who's in the middle of writing that down, you can stop. <laughs> Just click click through on the link. You mentioned that you came to this while you were in vet school. Why did you become a veterinarian? Well, it's an interesting story. <laughs> so We're counting I, uh, on it for the podcast. <laughs> oh, good. We'll be the judge of whether or not this is interesting. <laughs> so... Most of my friends who are veterinarians started out wanting to be a vet when they were like six years old and playing with their animals and stuff. And I was having none of that and did not want to be a veterinarian, was totally opposite, had no interest, although I loved animals and everything about them, but didn't want it. So I wanted to be a human doctor like my dad until I was my junior year of college. And then I started actually working with primates at a primate research center. So I worked with cute little pygmy marmosets and mm. rhesus macaques and did fun research projects with them, fed them marshmallows and grapes. And it was the best, the best time of my life. <laughs> and I ended up working with some of the lab vets there and I thought it was really fun. And I just, I finally made the connection that, oh my gosh, I love science. I love medicine. I love animals. I should put them together. And, um, I just kind of went for it. I'm, I'm not, uh, the most, I don't really think things out as much as a lot of people. So I just sort of like, well, I can do this. I'll apply. So I applied the next year and, and I got in and I have no regrets. It's been the best, best decision of my life. We've had a few different veterinarians on the show, all of whom took a little different route to get there and all ended up in different places. There's a lot more in the industry than probably people assume just by looking at the one veterinarian they see when they take their dog in for a shot or to get stitched up. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of, I kind of went through a bunch of different processes while I was in vet school as well. I started out wanting to do large animal, then I wanted to do wildlife. And then I actually, sometime in the middle of vet school, I finally met up with my mentor that I mentioned earlier, Dr. McCobb, and she recommended that I volunteer with uh, basically the, Worcester, Massachusetts Housing Authority, and they did free vaccine clinics for people who were in this low-income housing areas in, in Worcester, and I loved it, and that was that was what made me into community medicine, and then from there, I volunteered at another um, low-cost hospital called Tufts Tech, which was part of my school, actually, and got to work with um, people who were in low-income housing as well, and it was just, it's just amazing. I, the thing that I like the best about that part of veterinary medicine is that it's just the people care so much about their animals and they're just so grateful for everything that you can do, even if it's not, you know, the perfect gold standard of care that you would get at Tufts Veterinary School or something like that. You know, it's just, they're just so happy that you're there and able to provide things at a lower cost. And that's just it. I was, I was done after that. I, I knew it was going to be part of my life. I knew it was going to be my whole veterinary existence, but I knew it was going to be part of it. There's a lot to be said for the immediate gratification and validation you get from someone who truly appreciates what you're doing for them, whether you're a server in a restaurant or a veterinarian at a, a free clinic. What are some of the responses you've gotten from people who've taken advantage of the services, whether it was the work you were doing in college or now that you're with Community Veterinary Outreach? Uh, a lot of hugs. I get a lot of hugs. Um, 
I get a lot of stories, I think is, is the coolest part. So in exchange for me providing this service to them, I get to hear about their life and how they got there and why they're here at, you know, whatever clinic I'm at. And it just, it means a lot to hear those stories because they're very personal and people come from all walks of life and end up at a, at a low cost clinic. And it's just amazing to hear those stories. That's my favorite part, but I get the hugs and the tears and the thank yous and everything as well. Again, anyone who wants to be a part of that, who, who wants the hugs (laughs) can, can help by going to the website that again is linked in the description what sort of volunteers do you get? Do you get mostly people who have veterinary background or you, do you get families bringing their kids? Do you get scout troops? What, what volunteers show up? Interestingly enough, this is very much a grassroots kind of organization. And a lot of the volunteers are some of my best friends. And they're actually some people that I work with at my general practice as well. So I have a lot of my technicians come out and help out. And a lot of my, the receptionists at my work come out and help too. Um, we're a very close knit group at Southside where, where I work. One of those people, we have, um, best friends, family members of those best friends. And we also have just other technicians who have seen my emails and want to come out, but it's mostly technicians that I get. And I have some doctors, I have an industry doctor who uh, has volunteered and then a couple of doctors from my clinic as well. (laughs) So people, overlook the value of something like this. It's easy to go to a dog shelter and see a dog that's been neglected or abused and say, you know, some people just shouldn't have pets. Whatever we can do to keep pets out of the shelter and in a good, loving relationship with a human benefits those dogs who really are in need so that there's space for them in the shelter. Having a homeless person or someone in financial difficulty give up their pet to have it take up space in a shelter, wait for its forever home, and a lot of them look pretty rough just because they haven't had the grooming, but they're still a great dog, they're well-behaved. If we can keep them with their person, keep that human-animal bond intact, that benefits society. Absolutely. So yeah, anything our listeners can do to help this organization, or you mentioned there are other organizations that are doing what they can to help the people in need who have animals in need. If you want to look at it selfishly, you can, because there's a, <laughs> there's a selfish benefit that again, it, it, it keeps those pets out of the shelter. So the shelter staff and volunteers can do more for the dogs that are a legitimate stray, that are a legitimate abused dog in need of help and not just a dog that's been taken away from someone because the dog looks a little mangy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what else would we expect? A lot of times the, the animals that we see at our clinics, like they're super well taken care of. You would never know the difference between that animal and animal that comes into my general practice. Like they're just, they, I cannot stress enough how much they care about their animals. It's just, it's just incredible. If anybody wants to help, wants to learn more or wants to start up another chapter of this, because we have listeners around the world, we can see where people are downloading. If you think, let's make this happen in Spain or somewhere else in the country that doesn't already have this happening, 
you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can talk to Community Veterinary Outreach. I'm sure you will share all of your tips and secrets with them. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'll connect them to the to the original founder. Sure. Dr. Dr. Lem would love to be helping with that too. Let's spread this around. Kansas City has so many great organizations to help dogs and other animals and the people who love them. Let's make more communities like Kansas City and let's continue to make Kansas City better. So go to the vet outreach link in the description. Dr. Plass, is there anything else we need to share with our listeners? There's one really important thing that we haven't talked about, and that is who our partners are. There are some really cool parts of Kansas City that come to our clinics, and a big one that I hadn't mentioned yet is K-State Vet School. So we have a master in public health student who comes and helps with the clinics and is doing some research projects with us. And then they actually have brought their uh, spay-neuter van to our clinics as well to offer free spays and neuters for animals. That's a really cool part that part of the clinic that we, that we have um, and a really good connection that we have as well. But um, the other partners that have come with us to the clinics would be Rose Brooks. I don't, I'm, I don't know if you've heard of them. That's a domestic yes. violence out there. So they've, they've been, they do the domestic violence counseling. Zoe runs the, the, the part of Rose Brooks for the animals and she has come in and teched for clinics as well. So them and then Thrive, they do the STD testing for free for people. Um, so those are, those are other really cool volunteers and our clinics wouldn't be complete without them. That's uh, a great, synergistic approach because if you get someone there for any one of those services and they're not aware that they need the others it's all right there and you get the referrals that you don't have to have them find their way across town to some other facility it's like you know just turn around that person right there (laughs) yeah yeah let me let me walk you this is like here you go here's your introduction it's pretty cool great program so i would say also if any listeners out there who have some other service that would be a good fit with any of these, I'm just going to call them pop-ups. Yeah. Get with Dr. Plass and uh, I'm sure we can figure out how to make that work. I say we like I'm involved in any other way other than creating more work for for everyone else. That's my job. (laughs) That's my role. And then I walk away. But yeah. A good email address is on the website. So just shoot me an email. I'll shoot, the, shoot Outreach USA an email. So you can get everything you need at, at the website. Thank you again for joining us today. And thank you so much for what you're doing for our human community and our pet community. I look forward to having you back when there's an update. Yeah. When some of this shelter at home is behind us and if there's any other services or initiatives that we can talk about we'll have you back sounds great thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it our next guest on dog words is jeff davis president of my pet credentials jeff welcome to dog words thank you very much happy to be here you have a uh, a variety of things that we can talk about on the show, but something that I think would be of interest to all of our listeners is My Pet Credentials. So first of all, Jeff, what is My Pet Credentials? My Pet Credentials is an all-in-one pet management tool that allows pet owners to manage all their pets' data and share that with the current businesses that they utilize in the pet world, be it the veterinarian, groomer, boarder, pet salon in general. Is this something that uh, 
is in response to your personal experience or just something you saw in the marketplace? What was the pain point that uh, generated this idea? We are in the dog business outside of my pet credentials. We own two big pet salons in Houston, Texas. In our business, obviously vaccination records are everything. And what we found is that most people don't know where the vaccination records are, don't really keep a good eye on when things expire. And we spend a lot of time verifying vaccination records with veterinarians, asking for vaccination records from customers as they come into board. People use multiple veterinarians and our receptionists, along with receptionists at the veterinarian office, spend hours a day on the phone trying to accumulate the information and verify everything. So we created My Pet Credentials really to solve that problem originally. I don't know what it's like in Houston, but I imagine it's similar to what I know is the case in a lot of municipalities. You can't accept the dog without certification of rabies and in some cases, bordadella. And this is the case for, I would imagine, many groomers and boarders. So it's not just okay, well, we'll take care of this later. It, it needs to be taken right. care of immediately. Yeah, it's a line in the sand. I mean, if you're going to a place that's reputable, they're definitely going to want you to have your vaccination records up to date for sure. And it can be a, a, a vacation-ending problem if you're going out of town and trying to board somewhere and realize that it's Sunday when you're leaving and the veterinarian's closed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, there's just nothing you can do about it, really. So I'm guessing there's been a lot of experiences with your business of people very upset and probably blaming you or your staff because that's who's in front of them. Uh, It's always our fault. Of course it is. (laughs) And uh, so instead of cursing the darkness, you lit a candle and created My Pet Credentials. So how does it work? My Pet Credentials is a web-based and an app-based application for pet owners to use. You can download the mobile app input your pertinent information, address, phone number, first name, last name, along with all of your pets, be it one, two, three, four dogs, a horse, a cat, a dog. It's set up for all the, you know, the major, we're in Texas naturally, Mm -hmm. so we had to put horses in there. But you put all your dog's information, you know, what color their eyes are, what, how much they weigh, what color their coat is, what the breed is, age, weight, everything about the dog. In addition to feeding instructions, your veterinarian's information, all the vaccination information, any tracking information, microchip number. Uh, We also use the rabies tag number coupled with the veterinarian's phone number for a lost and found feature. Uh, And we also, every single dog, we apply what we call an NPC security number to, which is like a social security number for you or I that identifies the dog. Uh, Once you've put all that information in, we offer a web-based dashboard for veterinarians and pet salons to use in order to connect with their customers. So if you or I download the app, we send our veterinarian an invitation to create their own profile. Then when you go into the veterinarian, you get your vaccinations done and you ask your vet, can you update my profile? All the vet has to do is go in and put the administer date and the expiration dates in the system. And it automatically creates a paper record that's uploaded to your profile. So Regardless, if you go to the same vet or if you upload your own vaccination records, it keeps a history of those transactions so that in the event that you move or when you do go to a new vet, you can share that information with your new veterinarian. I'm Um, guessing most veterinarians would be delighted with this because instead of having to 
email, mail, fax, etc. This updated information every time they do a vaccination for a dog to every groomer that this person uses, every dog park, every border, all of the places that need this update, they just have to do it once. Well, we hope so. (laughs) You know, there are some vets that have their own web-based retrieval for vaccination records, which is fine if you only use that one vet. We find that a lot of people have multiple vets for multiple reasons. So, you know, I may go to XYZ veterinarian for a certain issue and have vaccinations done. And then six months, a year later, when I have vaccinations to be had, there just happens to be a free vaccination weekend at PetSmart. So I go get my vaccinations there. And when I go back to my vet, they have no record of that, you know, unless I've uploaded it and shared them with them. Because every time I make a move in that profile, whoever I'm connected to is alerted, whether it be uh, the pet salon or my co-owner or a veterinarian, they all know when things have moved with regard to the vaccination records. And in addition to that, when you connect to a pet salon, I can request a grooming profile. So if I get a my Bichon groomed every month, then they can send me a request. We'll connect. They can make appointments with us. Uh, we can upload their grooming profile. So in the event that they decide they're out of town and need to go somewhere else, groomers speak a different language than you or I do. So I can share that information with a new groomer and they know exactly what profile the haircut they got last time, mm-hmm. which makes it a lot easier. It sounds like the applications for my pet credentials grew beyond what you were initially responding to. Did you anticipate that at all or right up front did you realize, oh, this is going to be a very robust application available? It's taken us six years as we changed and added to and you know, like and to answer your question, you know, one of the things we realized immediately was all the information we have for each pet and all the dog owners information, it became this really robust lost and found database. So whenever you make your profile, you can go in and buy a collar. You can choose either a QR code. You can have your microchip number put on it. It has our specific lost and found website, mpclost.com, that a, a good Samaritan can put the information into, or they can scan the collar. A picture of the dog will come up with all its characteristics and all its vaccination records. They can push a button, put their information in, and it'll text and email you and your co-owner their information and where they found your dog and where it can be retrieved. We're live with iOS. We're almost done with Android, and we'll come in with version 2, which will have a dashboard for rescues that they can use for free, catalog all their dogs, upload all their vaccination records, so when a new owner comes in to adopt a dog, they can hit transfer ownership, and the, the profile will automatically upload into the new pet owner's application with all of its vaccination records. So when they go to their vet, they have all the information that the foster or the kennel had to begin with so that, you know, there's no over-vaccination. It seems that when people go adopt a dog a lot of times, they get a folder. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what's in that folder. Some of it's and very important. Of some of it isn't, and yeah, you're some, not sure which is which. <laughs> That's right. And there's a lot of varying information with regard to vaccination records. So in in long answer to your question, yes, this has evolved. We've thought of other issues that we can solve. I find it very exciting, just the whole possibility of being able to use your phone with the QR code or to enter the number and not be reliant on, one, the person who finds the dog, knowing that veterinarians and shelters have a chip scanner 
because right. a lot of people don't even know that a dog might have a microchip. Two, even right. if you know that, if this is after hours or the weekend, where do I take it? Right. And I know it happens at shelters sometimes. You get there and the batteries are dead in the charger. Who used the charger last? Where are the, the scanner? Who used the scanner left? Where is the scanner? Does anybody have a phone? There, problem solved. Every one of us has a phone. <laughs> right, exactly. And you can, you, know, you can scan any neighborhood Facebook page, and most have their own lost and found dog pages. And you know, every single scenario I could solve with the lost and found piece of this. Yeah. Well, you hate to take a dog halfway across town to a shelter only to find out that it ran away from someone who lives two blocks over. Right. No, exactly. We're fortunate in Kansas City that we have KC Pet Project, which is the third largest no-kill shelter in the country, as -hmm. well as some other shelters in the outlying municipalities that also do a great job in finding homes for pets rather than euthanizing. But in municipalities where they do euthanize due to space, anything we can do to keep dogs out of shelters so that there is a kennel available for the dog who is genuinely lost, who doesn't have a home and is waiting for its forever home, anything that keeps that kennel open and gets the lost dog back where it belongs is just an important thing for us to do as a society, to take care of the dogs that depend on us. I agree. I totally agree. You know, and the, the, when thinking about the revenue piece of this My Pet Refusals thing, for a pet owner, it's sixteen ninety nine a year to use the app. And that doesn't matter if you have one dog or if you have 10 dogs which is economical, but for veterinarians and pet salons and kennels, it's free. So I would hope that the people that are charged with vaccinating pets, collecting vaccinations and finding dogs to get a new home, it's free for them to get everybody organized and connected. Get them in the system. And if anyone has ever lost a dog, even if it's wandered off for five minutes and then you're panicking and then it comes walking back up the street. If I showed up the moment you realized your dog was lost and said, Hey, for sixteen ninety nine I can give you peace of mind, if, you would gladly you play dog, you would give me yeah, a twenty and not ask for change. <laughs> right. If you look at some of the rewards, you just know just how valuable pets are to people. You know, you just can't put a price on it. Well, I think sixteen ninety nine is uh, whatever price you did put on it. Sixteen ninety nine is well below that bar, and the fact that this is so easily coordinated with shelters, groomers, veterinarian offices, I'm just very excited about my pet credentials. I think we've given people lots of good information. Other than, I guess, what if they're interested in getting my pet credentials? Well, you can find us on Facebook. Look at My Pet Credentials. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube. You can visit www.mypetcredentials.com. I'll put a link to that in the description for this episode, so there will be a link for this in the description. You can register on the web and create your profile there. Once you've done that, if you prefer to do it that way, you can download the app, log in, and all your information will be there. Or you can uh, go to the App Store and download the Apple iOS version of it now. Register and put all your information in there via your phone. We should be live with uh, the Android Google Play version in the next 30 days. And there's a lot of information out there for you to see and look at. We've got some marketing videos and we've done some live videos of uh, the app actually working and using the lost and found piece and the collars and such. So uh, so take a look. We'd love to see it. And it has a 
a small footprint because it's this is mostly digital. So it's not like you need to have another folder in your filing cabinet or something bulky to add to your dog or some piece of equipment that you're installing on your fence. It's everything in the palm of your hand. Palm of your hand. It's on your phone. And even if you get the collar, the tag, dog's going to have that anyway. Jeff, Absolutely. thank you so much for, uh, one, being part of the team that created this, because I know something like this is a huge team effort. So kudos to you and, and everyone you worked with. And thank you for taking time to share this with our listeners. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Dr. Laura Plass from Community Veterinary Outreach for joining us. There's a link to Community Veterinary Outreach in the description for this episode, as well as links to some of their partners. I also want to thank Jeff Davis with My Pet Credentials. That link is also in this episode's description. And, of course, a big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Also, check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Remember, The Wires Underground Concert Series will resume this fall. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like to host a small and socially distant outdoor concert in your backyard or on your porch, please contact them at thewiresduo at gmail.com. Be sure to catch the next episode of Dog Words when we visit with Kelsey Nelson about KC Pet Project's Dog Day Out program. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share Dog Words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Support Rosie Fund by following us on social media, and please subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel. You really do need to see Rocky's video. He's just a big bundle of love. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. And again, if you have any ideas for topics or guests, let us know at rosiefund.org. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other. Dog Words.